0: Welcome everybody. Welcome once again to the Nefesh podcast. This is episode 9. Thanks for joining me and hope you're enjoying the uh, the engagement with our soul and how it affects all aspects of our life, our spiritual formation, the the moments in our lives that really help to shape and define our character and our soul, our spiritual formation development. And uh, I'm so glad you're with us. We have so many more good things to come and really great conversations with people, so many great conversations with people yet to come. You know, there's a there's a famous quote that we actually tend to get wrong and we do that by simplifying it. We, we take the quote by Lord Acton and we simplify it by saying, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, the actual quote by Lord Acton is power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And that word tends is really important. There is no doubt that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Meaning anytime somebody has absolute power. It will not only corrupt them, it will corrupt everything around them. It, dictatorships do not work even when the person has, uh, has the best interests or people's interests in mind. It, it, absolute power in that you control everything, a person controls everything, even if the person has the, the other person's best interests in mind, will never work and it really stems from in christian theology in in the biblical narrative of the book of genesis with the fall of humanity the fall of adam and eve you know when we look at the narrative that is in the book of genesis the first book of the bible We see that early on in Genesis chapter one, God gave Adam and Eve power. He gave gave these humans power to govern. He made humanity in his image, which is an incredible power in and of itself. He breathed into them the breath of life. He fashioned them with his hands. And he created them in his image. And he then gave them power and authority to rule. He told the first humans that they were to go and and subdue the earth and multiply in it. He gave, God gave humanity the power to manage the earth. And he gave them incredible power to create life which is just a whole incredible thought in and of itself the 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 ability to create human life with two people coming together is such an incredible incredible act of power he gave humanity the power to subdue the earth the authority to subdue the earth he made humanity in in his image and he gave humanity the ability to create life to no other creature did god give such power and it almost makes you wonder why he would have entrust humanity with such great power And ability. I find it interesting that in Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything by speaking it into existence except humans. Through the power of his word, he creates everything. There is, it's like an effortless thing where he just speaks and things come into existence. All but humans, humans he intimately creates and fashions from from the dirt, from the dust of the ground. Well we see throughout scripture how how much has, throughout the Bible, both in Psalms and Proverbs and in the book of James, how much power there is in in speaking, in words. Proverbs talks about, the in the book of Proverbs, it talks about how there is um, so much power in the tongue. It, it it has the power of life and death. In James, it talks about the tongue being a restless fire, a world of evil, that it has the power to destroy. There is something about our God-created ability to speak, our words to communicate that words have the power of life and death to destroy to create to uplift or to tear down and i think there is part of that idea of humanity being created in god's image and this connection to to our words and how much they have the the ability to create to to bring life or to bring death And studies have have proven this for many, many years, how much words have power, that encouragement, as some have said, is oxygen to the soul. There is power in our words, and it's one of the aspects of us reflecting God's image and reflecting the power that he has given us, that, that God has given humanity power to speak. Our words have power that God has given humanity power to create life, that God has given humanity power to, to think, to, to uh, problem solve, to create, not just, not just human life, but to be creative and build things and create things. God gave humanity such great power and ability. And again, when we look at where we are now as a society, you almost wonder why. Because with our power, to quote Spider-Man or or, uh, actually uh, Spider-Man's uncle, with great power comes great responsibility. And it is where humanity has blown it time and time again. That though we have great power, we have abused that power in every facet of life. And it comes back to this reality of another element that scholars believe reflects God's image, that, that free will That God gave humanity choice and there is so much power in choice. The ability to choose, the ability to think through decisions and choose, the ability to choose God, the ability to choose to have a relationship with him. God gave humanity so much power and responsibility and yet humanity has struggled with that sense of power from the very beginning in the narrative of the book of genesis in chapters 2 and 3 we we see this introduction of the trees two trees in the garden and these trees while more than likely real trees they they symbolize something there's the tree of life and then there is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that distinction is important, that it wasn't just the tree of good and evil, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God gave Adam and Eve these command, uh, this command not to eat from the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. I, when, when talking about this over the years, I've had so many people ask me this question and I've wondered it myself. You know, why would God put this tree in the garden that they couldn't eat from? Why was it there? Was it a point of temptation? Did, was God uh, dangling something in front of them that they couldn't have? Why would he do it knowing that they were going to do what they did? Why would he put this temptation there? Well, I think we're asking the wrong question. That tree is a representation of free will, it represents choice. God, the, the tree was always going to be there because free will is always going to be there. And the tree represented the ability to know good and evil, or whether or not to trust God. That the knowledge that He had given them was enough. Uh, a a friend of mine made this comment, uh, and I think it's, I think it's 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 really profound. That really the first sin there was the desire to know and while we can't take that too to the extreme because it is good to know things it is good to learn it is good to expand our understanding uh, because that's how God created us the idea is that It wasn't so much about knowing as it was wanting to know beyond what it was that we needed to know and and not being able to trust. So asserting in that situation, asserting our will above God's will, saying, "I, I hear what you're saying, God, but I really, really want to try this. And I think I know what's best for me because this is what I want to do. So I'm going to do it. So that tree representing the knowledge of good and evil as Adam and Eve ate from it, they asserted their free will, but they asserted their will above God's will. And that was the point of disconnect. That was the brokenness that took place and from which humanity has been struggling to be restored ever since. Really, uh, and and uh, Dallas Willer talks about this a lot in his in his works, especially "Renovation of the Heart," where our will is the seed of of our decision making, and the soul is the embodiment of our entire self, and the will. But the will is there at the at the crux of that. It it determines what we will do or not do. It is where we make decisions. And from the point of the garden, when, when humanity chose not to trust God and assert their will over his will, our will has always been off kilter since. And the goal of spiritual formation really is to bring our will back in alignment with God's will. Because when we don't, chaos ensues. Right away, as Adam and Eve uh, uh, disobeyed, their reactions were to cover themselves and hide from God and each other. And then their, their reaction was to throw each other under the bus. It wasn't my fault, it was his fault, it was her fault, it was the snake's fault, it was everybody else's fault but mine. But then go a chapter further in chapter four of Genesis, And what is the first action described as a sin? The word sin is used for the very first time in Genesis chapter 4. And what is the first action described as a sin? It is Cain's murdering of Abel. It is Cain asserting his dominance and power and will over Abel. You go a few chapters further and you see that humanity has so progressed into a state of chaos as they are continuing to assert their will over others, their power over others. That that things were in such a state of chaos that by Genesis chapter 6, God is distressed over the state of humanity and wants to to wipe them out, not because he hates them, but because they seem to be going in such a dark trajectory that there is no hope that they will return. I think that what we are dealing with there in Genesis 6 is is such a a state of chaos unlike we've ever seen before, and probably was was similar to what we see in Genesis 4, the murdering and the dominance of of one human over the other. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 11, the story of the Tower of Babel, we see the negative consequences or the negative results of what happens when people come together for bad intentions, to assert their will, their desires, their wants. And in Genesis chapter 11, they desire to build a tower to to the heavens. And it's it's not that building a, you know, the empire state building, so to speak, or building a big structure was bad. It was that their intentions were bad. Their hearts were still uh, intent on their own dominance and power, attempting to overthrow, really to reach heaven, to overthrow heaven, possibly. If you go back throughout the Bible, and if you just, you don't even have to look at the Bible, you just look at history, we see what happens when our desire to control and have dominance over others, what happens if it's unchecked. Our desire to control, our desire to manipulate, our desire to assert our will over others it is the thing that is that humanity is constantly struggling with and struggling against power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely This is where humanity is in desperate need of a regenerating of the soul of spiritual formation and of surrendering our will consistently to God's will Andy Crouch author and speaker he wrote he wrote a book called culture making recovering our creative calling and he attempts to redefine or maybe reclaim power and he highlights how much power again is something with which god has given and created given to us and created all of us uh, with we have we have so much power, we have so much opportunity, and we see this even with people who have disabilities or um, who are restricted in some areas of their lives. They still have the power to choose what they will think at times, or um, or or to choose what they will do. That. That our abilities, our God-given and innate abilities to create and to bring life in so many ways, is a good thing. And yet that, that part of us has to first be not only reclaimed for, for, uh, for good, but it has to go through the process of regeneration. It has to go through the process of spiritual formation. Because given our own devices and left to ourselves, our desire for power and our desire to control will consistently fight against our desire to use our power for good. Years ago when I was teaching on this concept of free will and, and um, the narrative in Genesis, I had a student who spoke up and he said why did you know what why did God give us free will he should have just made us robots and I understood his frustration there are times when it feels like why did God why did why did God give us this power we have teenagers having babies because they have the power to create life unfortunately there are many situations where people who are unprepared to give life are creating life and those babies are being born into situations that are awful why did God give us the power to communicate and to to speak and to to influence people with our words when you look back at the great uh, let me take that back. When you look back at the horrible leaders who had great influence over the years and their ability to communicate, their ability to persuade, you—it it, it makes us wonder why would God give us such power when it can be used in such a corrupt way? And as I began to talk with this student a little more, it—he shared that he worked in a a mental health. Um, actually, a, a a mental facility that was for essentially the, the for extreme cases and those who were criminally insane. And he began to share some horrific stories of what some of these people had done to others. And after hearing his story, it makes sense why. Based upon his experience, why he would wrestle with why we should have the ability to have free will. Our free will has gotten ourselves into trouble and our free will has gotten others into trouble. My free will has harmed others as has others' free will harmed me. The incredible amount of power and ability that we have as humans... Affects everyone around us on a constant basis. And yet. God didn't give us this power unchecked. So that humanity could make just chaos after chaos. He gave us the power and the ability to be part of that regeneration restorative process and obviously that first starts with surrendering our lives to Christ that is that actually is just the first step that as we we give our lives over to Jesus and allow him to save us that sanctification process begins in our lives and continues to work in our lives as we surrender daily to him not in an ambiguous mental ascent of surrender but in an ongoing and active participation of the spiritual formation process the hardest thing to regenerate and be transformed to 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 be transformed is the will because the will is so strong and it has to be to be broken it has to be reformed it has to be refined it has to be recreated into the image of jesus and as we continue to go through the process of spiritual formation our wills draw closer and closer to an alignment with God's will so that what we so that what God wants, we want. What we want, we was in alignment with what God wants. Dallas Willard uh, a, a friend mentioned that that Dallas Willard kind of made up this word uh, wanter. And he said that our wanter, W-A-N-T-E-R, our wanter is broken. The things that we want, it is broken. We want things we shouldn't want and we don't want the things that we should. And so that wanter, that part of our will has to be broken and brought into alignment in order for us to want the things that God wants. And the things that God wants are shalom, peace, Restoration, the fullness and the recreation and the regeneration of our soul. In Luke, it tells us, especially in the the birth narrative this idea of peace on earth and goodwill towards men, that the angels in Luke chapter two, who are dis, who are talking to the shepherds about this miraculous birth, this savior, they say that we have come to bring you good tidings, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. That this is what God wants for humanity. He doesn't want a society that is broken. He doesn't want power wars. He doesn't want people dominating others anyone dominating anyone else. He wants peacefulness and shalom. He wants humanity to be at its best in order, to, in order to reflect his image in our lives. In the book of Judges, in the Bible, it is such an awful but important book as it shows how humanity goes off the rails when they are left to their own devices and left to their own desires and wants and the theme throughout the book of judges is the lack of leadership it, it says it repeatedly that in those days Israel had no king everyone did what they saw fit there was no leader to lead them and they were uh, they were doing whatever they wanted to do they they um, they took over things, they, they uh, unseated people in positions of power, and they set up their own religious practices. They violated God's covenant with them over and over again. And in the very last stories, uh, very last few chapters of, of the book of Judges, really just uh, an, an R-rated story, awful, awful story of power and dominance and control and an abuse of power. And a woman is thrown uh, is thrown out like garbage, essentially in order for the husband to save his own life. The power in that situation as he thrusts her outside to be abused by the men of this city, the city of Gibeah, reflects the essence of the chaos in that society. And there's a reason why this is the last story in the book of Judges. It's so awful that it is. It brings the book of Judges to a close, as if to say, things are so bad, we need a king, and this leads us into First Samuel, where the Israelites ask for a king. It's so bad. It, it's it's a way of reflecting, and and again, this is what I picture: what is going on in Genesis chapter six before the flood, when God is so devastated by what he sees, he is so heartbroken by the by the chaos and the the uh, humanity's just sinfulness that that had to have been sinfulness against each other like we see in the book of Judges. And some scholars, when they look at Judges, they see that even though the word peace or shalom is not necessarily present in the use of its word, the fact that it is absent reflects that there is a lack of shalom In this, in Israel at that time, the word shalom in Hebrew goes beyond just a state of inner peace. It actually reflects a state of peace between humanity and God and humanity and each other. And in the book of Judges, we see this lack of shalom. And yet, Jesus came. In Luke chapter 2, to bring shalom to all humans. To bring the gospel. In Luke chapter 4, where Jesus gets up in the synagogue and he reads from the, from, from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah and he says, The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news, the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring freedom to the captives, to set at liberty those who are bound. This is what God wants for humanity and the way God brings that about is through the inner transformation of every single person who is surrendered to the life of Jesus. That in order for God's will to be present, as Jesus prays in the Lord's Prayer, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In order for God's kingdom and his will to be done, God's kingdom and his will has to have to first take up residence and control of my own life in order for his will and his kingdom to be present elsewhere. That my will, my free will, must be first surrendered to his will. And that the power that he originally created us with is then restored to a state of goodness. And that we use our God-given power to bring shalom and God's kingdom to every part of this world. why are things so bad in this world because we have free will why do we have free will because god made us in his image and in order to correct the imbalances of power and the the domination of others we have to first be in that process of daily spiritual formation and surrendering of our will to his. Because by ourselves, our own decisions and desires for power and control will always tend towards corruption. I do not trust myself with my own sense of power. I have to be in a state of surrender constantly because my free will, my wanter is broken. And in order for me to be part of God's kingdom and his solution for this world, I have to let go of my own desire for power and control. And allow him to lead me and guide me so that my power desires are restored and rejuvenated and that I want what he wants and when I want what he wants I will be able to 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 exist in him to utilize his power in my life to impact the world for him power tends to corrupt because of our broken will, our broken wanter. But you and I can choose to surrender that brokenness to God and allow him to transform us so that our souls reflect the shalom that he desires for this world. That is my desire, even though my desire doesn't always desire that. My wanter is just as broken as everybody else, and so I don't always desire that, but my desire is to desire that. And I believe that when we continuously have this idea of our power and our will surrendered to God's, I believe that we can make change for his kingdom. I believe that we can see things change and the brokenness of this world and this humanity change as we live out his will for our lives. Well, thanks for listening on this latest edition of the Nefesh podcast, episode nine. And I look forward to seeing you, talking to you next time.